We're in Psalm 37. Would you please take your, your, your Bibles and look there with me? This morning we spoke a little bit about Psalm 37, 1 through 8. One of the challenges that we face nowadays and with all of us is we get angry easy. The word fret means to be upset, to be angry. And many times instead of saying we're angry, we say we're frustrated, we're hurt, we're disappointed. But oftentimes anger is an issue. And uh, we see in verse 8, he says, cease from anger, forsake wrath, and put away those things which would cause you to do evil. And that's kind of what is. Something kind of frustrates you, then it turns into wrath, and then it oftentimes results in doing something you shouldn't do or I shouldn't do as a result of being angry. There are four things that we can do to counteract anger. Number one, trust the Lord and do good. And... Um, I think many times we're angry because something doesn't go our way. We don't like the way someone thought about something, what they did, or how they felt about it, or it differs from ours, and so then we get angry, get frustrated. And a lot of times because we do not trust the Lord. Where we have more faith in God, we have less anger inside of us. Sometimes we get angry because we're afraid. We get frustrated. We're not sure what's going to happen in our situation or where we're going to get this situation or what's going to happen with my job or what's going to happen in this relationship and something that affects us. And then we get, we get frustrated, we get angry, and it turns to wrath and then usually some bad decisions as a result. But one antidote to anger is trusting the Lord and doing what God wants you to do. The second is delighting in the Lord, not just trusting Him, but enjoying Him. And that's something I want for me and I want that for you. I would love for you to get to come to church, not have to come to church. I would love for you to get to sing, not have to sing. I would love for you to enjoy reading your Bible, not have to read your Bible. I would hope that we would love to pray and look forward to praying, not saying, oh, I know Christians are supposed to pray. Let me get with the Father real quickly. No, we ought, to, we ought to have a delight in the Lord. And then that delight changes the desires of our heart, and God gives us the desires of our heart. And then the Bible reminds us to commit our way to the Lord. That means to roll it over unto Him. To take our difficulties, our challenges, the things that would frustrate, aggravate, weigh us down, we ought to cast them on the Lord and He'll bring it to pass. And then lastly, the admonition is to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. How many of you, from time to time, get frustrated, angry, wrathful, because things don't happen on your timetable? Have you ever driven through a drive-through? Drive-through are supposed to be fast, right? And when you're getting through a drive-through, you think, I, you know, you're looking the long line. Oh, it's going to go fast, and then you say, "Well, should I go in and order? Should I do that?" And you're in the line, and then all of a sudden, the person in front of you has 75 people in their little SUV, and uh, they're ordering, they're yelling out, and I say, "Like, I'm going to never get out of here." Or the person says, yeah, dude, what do you want, you know? And it's like, no, not this guy's going to mess up my order, and it's going to take forever. You're like, no. If things don't happen on our timetable, oftentimes that frustrates, and the Bible says, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently on him. He knows what's going on. Put away anger. We're in this particular concept this, this year of talking about his righteousness. One of the things I, I, I understand in the Bible, I'm understanding more, is that God is very focused on righteousness. I would challenge you to think how many times in the Bible you might find the word righteous or righteousness. He tells us in the New Testament that uh, we ought to seek first the kingdom of God and his. He tells us that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, is peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
And I know, to, I don't want to oversimplify this, but I think righteousness is just focused on doing what is right. Nothing's ever settled till it's settled right, and nothing's ever settled right till it's settled right with God. It would be a good idea that we would negotiate life with this in mind. What's the right thing for me to do here? Not what's easy, not what's comfortable, not what's convenient, but what is right to do. That'd make you a much better young person. Teenagers, children, don't ask what I want, but what is right? When mom and dad say, no, I don't want you to do that, what is the right thing to do there? Not what I want to do. Husbands, wives, single adults, wherever you are, at workplace, you ought to ask yourself, what is the right thing to do here? The Bible tells us that he gave us the word of God so we would know what is right, doctrine. Reproof, so we know what's not right. Correction, that's how to get right. And instruction in what? That's how to stay right. You know, the reason God gave us the Bible in part is so we would know what is right to do, what's not right to do, how to get right, and how to stay right. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not, so I don't, I don't get out of, out, of, out of whack with the Lord. But there are wonderful blessings when a man or a woman decides, I'm going to handle things God's way. I'm going to handle things right. What does God do when we, what are the blessings? Now, this is what, this, to me, I am, I am someone who is somewhat motivated by reward. I know that uh, eternal life is not a reward. Eternal life is a gift for being guilty. But, but God is a God who all through the Bible teaches us that in eternity future, God wants to reward his children. Uh, you, to go to heaven, all you need to do is to believe and receive the gift of eternal life. To go to heaven, it takes no effort on my part. It's my part of repentance and coming to the Lord, changing my mind about God, about my sin, about eternity, and accepting his gift of eternal life. But after I'm saved, he says, you know, we love this verse. I think you love it. The Bible tells us that, um, that for by grace are you saved through, and that not of it is the gift of God. Does someone know that word up there? I think there's a little girl up there said it better than many of our adult men could say it. That was good. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. It's not of works, thus any man should boast. So it's basically saying salvation is not a reward for the righteous. But the next verse says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Say, Pastor, what's the big deal? Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He said, I want you to hear one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He said, he that is faithful in that which is least, I'll make him faithful in that which is, which is more. All through the Bible, before God closed the Bible, he said, behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. Say, Pastor, if I, here's, what, here's what the Bible tells us. And the reason why many people live such low lives for Christ, and the reason I have lived low life many times for Christ, is I'm not convinced in God's rewarding process. One of the verses we teach us in the Bible about faith, he says, without faith, it's impossible to do what? To please God. For him that comes to God must believe two things about God. Number one, that he is. That's kind of, I think that's a reference to salvation. To get saved, you've got to believe that Jesus is who he said he is. That God is the creator. 
He is the one who brought salvation to you. He is the one who can save you. He not only met, to, to, to come to God, you must believe that he is. But secondly, you must believe that he is a what? Rewarder of those who what? Who work hard at pleasing him and seeking him. That's why the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. He wants to know, is my focus, is it going to be on the Lord? Because who I focus on is what I become like. And if I focus on the Lord, that's why he says, look into Jesus, the author. It doesn't say look into pastor, look into your Sunday school teacher, look into the church. He says, look to Jesus. He'll never disappoint you. And the more you concentrate on that object, the more you'll become like that object. And then you'll be rewarded by God. Well, here the Bible says, if you're a righteous man or woman, there are benefits that come. If you read Psalm 37, and several of you have texted me and said, Pastor, I read it today. Well, that's great. I'm glad. So you brought the cake, and we'll try to put some icing on it for you. But we see that there's, a, there's an antithesis to not being angry. But there are also, God says, I'm going to bring judgment to the sinner. So don't ever question whether or not God is going to make wrongs right. He said, when you look around, you see the people that seem to do what's wrong be seeming strong and flex their muscles and they seem like they're the, they got it all going on and people who are trying to do what's wrong are persecuted and cast down. Don't question God's ability to bring judgment. He tells us, I'm going to bring judgment, just like the grass is cut down, just like, uh, just like the herb withers in the hot summer sun. He said, that's going to happen very short time. I'm going to deal with every man according to his works. The Bible tells us in the book of, of, of Corinthians about that we'll, he'll give an account to the quick, the live, and the dead. People who've accepted Jesus will be judged in the, in the judgment seat of Christ. People who've rejected Jesus will be judged at the great white throne judgment. And God is able to, he's going to bring judgment. So whenever you get frustrated because it seems like wrong is right and right is wrong, and it just seems like the world's going to hell in a handbasket, and you say, where is God? Don't worry, he's there. He hasn't fallen off his throne. He hasn't, he hasn't gotten frustrated. doesn't even have a headache. He has it all figured out. He knows exactly what's going on. But he says, if I can find a man or a woman who will believe me and practice righteousness, there are benefits. Let's just look at it real quickly. This, I think, will be a very enjoyable study for those who love the Bible and are interested in the benefits of living right. That's one thing that people think is that if I live for God, then I just get the short end of the stick. And the truth could not be farther from, you couldn't be farther from the truth than that. It's the holy, righteous life that is not only good for the life that now is, but the life that is to come. You win two times when you do the right thing. You win now and you win forever. When you do the wrong, wrong thing, listen, young people, remember this. The first day of sin's always the best day. It gets worse the way of the transgressor is hard. One of the more challenging things for me to do is to watch somebody who knows what to do right and they just keep going wrong. And you can watch them just fall down like a dominoes. One thing after another thing, God's loving judgment, His mercy is there, and they just keep pushing through the love of God and the judgment of God. And then they begin to turn and start blaming everyone around them. This is, why, this, is, this is why I'm such a messed up person. And it's everybody else's fault, and it's not. But they've deceived themselves in that way. 
They've listened to wrong kind of listening to. They've got, they bought in wrong doctrine. They speak lies and hypocrisy like I'm all that in a bag of chips now and everybody else is drinking their bath water. And then their conscience is seared with a hot iron and nothing convicts them. That's one place you don't want to be. I think one of the scariest things, and, and one of the things why I'm still 53 and still trying to please the Lord. I, want, I don't want the Lord, I want the Lord to be able to talk to me and I respond. Much of my life now, I, I had the opportunity to be on this side of the pulpit. But I really enjoy being on that side of the pulpit. I enjoy hearing people preach and I've enjoyed feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I feel it up here when I'm there. Many times I feel it when I'm in my study. And I'm trying to, I'm in private, getting convicted to come out here in public. But I enjoy being on that side of the pulpit. And one of the things, and I don't say this to shame anyone or even be an example. I'm just telling you. I said many years ago, if God, you'll whisper to me. and You'll talk to me. I will talk back to you. In words of confession, repentance. I do not want the Lord to yell at me. <laughs> I don't want the Lord to get harsh with me. Actually, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to appease him. I really want to please him. Well, if I can keep my heart tender, you know why people divorce oftentimes? It's because of the hardness of their heart. You don't want to have a hard heart. You don't want to let the Spirit of God come, the Word of God come, and it just, it just, it just goes off your heart like water off a duck's back. You want to say, God, please, keep me tender. If you talk to me, you point out something wrong, I want to, want to convey it. Why? Because there are many blessings for doing the right thing. Let's just see a few of them. Verse 16, the Bible says, A little that the righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. One of the things that really can bother some people, they'll think, you know, it's just not worth it. Because look at these guys, they do this, this, and look at they're driving around in these fancy cars, and they have this, and they have this, and they have that. And they even, they're, they're, they're profane, they're wicked, and yet they just got all this stuff. But you know what the Bible says for a righteous man? The little that he has is better. His little is better. And I'm not saying you say, well, I, I just have to have a little things. I think we ought to live a little more simply than we sometimes do. You know, there's a sneaky little... Sneaky little trick the devil plays on us. And we think if we get more, if we get more stuff, then we're more successful. And here's the sneaky trick. Possessions get very possessive. Sometimes the more you get, if you don't learn to be a funnel instead of a bucket, if you don't learn to take what God gives you and share it, and you become materialistic. The Bible says, he that tries to get rich, the love of money is the root of all. Yeah, and some, they chase it and they pierce themselves through with many sorrows. But he says here, a righteous man, whatever he has is better than many people's riches who are wicked. So I say to you, it's good to be righteous. What you have is better. And you think, no, pastor, you don't understand what I have is not as good. If you're righteous, the little you have is better than what Mr. Gates has or what the Hollywood has or what the rapper has or what this person has. A little of a righteous man is better. And this is not my, I didn't write it, I just recite it. <laughs> These are God's words. Look at the next one, if we could please, verse 17. The Bible says, for the arms of the wicked shall be what? How many have ever broken an arm? You ever broken an arm? It's a miserable thing. It affects your whole body. 
He said, but the arms of the wicked, those they used to function and to bring in for themselves and to do things. He said, one day they'll be incapacitated. But the Lord upholdeth who? Yeah. His little is better and his strength is divine. I tell you, one of the things I, I thought about, maybe a little morbid because I've been at the graveside of many people and I've, I've walked through cemeteries and I see what they say. Remember whenever we... Uh, put our son in the ground, and it was time for us to pick out a headstone for Tyler. Linda and I talked about, what can we put on this headstone? And we found a verse in the scripture, the Bible says, he that begetteth the wise son shall have joy of him. So we put in quotations on his little tombstone there that he brought us joy. But it made me think, what would you want on yours, John? What would you want to be said on your tombstone? When people go around and kick the grass around your tombstone or walk over it or look at it or uh, contemplate your life, what would they want to know about you? What would your life say? And I don't know, about, I don't know a lot, but I, I do like this one, that he was helped of God. God helped him. Or a life only God could explain. Righteous people, their little is better. And their help is divine. I like it when someone helps me. I really like it when God helps me. I like it when I, when I, I got something I like, oh, Lord, please help me. I cry unto you. I hope to talk about this this week on, the, on Grace to Grow. But um, I, I think about the fact that the, these people went through difficult times. They cried unto the Lord, and then the Lord had compassion on them. And he said, because of God's compassion, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works of the children and offering God's gratitude to, to, uh, to, for his goodness to us. But I, I like the fact that when God would help me. You know, girls, don't make a meal without God's help. Don't, don't get behind a bus steering wheel without God's help. Don't try to disciple a convert without God's help. Don't, don't try to visit a bus route without the Lord's help. Don't try to teach a Sunday class. Everything we do, we ought to say, Lord, I want you to uphold me. I want you to help me. I, I have the life and times of John Wilkerson. In your life and times, the most treasured memories you'll have is when God helped you. When it's something that happened like, oh, man, only God could have done that. The next thing a righteous person can look forward to in verse 18. Read it with me, would you please, everyone? The Lord knoweth the days... Okay, he says not only is their little better and their help is divine, but their effort is eternally beneficial. He said their, their inheritance is not just temporary. Remember, um, someone says, I, wanna, I, want to, I want to think about the future because that's where my life is going. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures where? Well, I've never been to heaven. You haven't either. Even the little kid that's got a book about it, he didn't go there yet. But God lives there. And he says, when you get here, you want to have treasures here. You want to have treasures in heaven. And he tells us here, what I do for the Lord is not just temporal, it is forever. Now, I don't exactly understand all that. But I think oftentimes we're more concerned about the next 30 years than we are about the next 30 million. Forever is a long, long time. So we have just a little window of time in which we can please the Lord 
and love him. And the righteous man, his little is better, his help is divine, and his effort is eternal. What he does crisscrosses and goes across the window of eternity. Look, if you would please, to the next statement. Verse number 19, can you read it with me? Just the men, read verse 19. Would you, men, ready? They shall not be ashamed. Said, in days of famine, difficult time, they should be satisfied. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure what's going to happen. We're going to have a depression. We're going to go through a real low time, and inflation's going to be high, and funds are going to be low. It's one of the reasons why you want, boy, I'm, I'm on the screen there. There we go. Good thing. Scared me for a second. I thought maybe the rapture took place or something. <laughs> Look up there and didn't see myself. All right, Tony, is that your responsibility up there? I tell people, listen, Tony probably fell asleep. That's what happened here. I said, look, you got a problem with sleeping? I'm better than an insomnia pill, you know. I've successfully put hundreds of people to sleep every time I preach. It's unbelievable. So if you're having a problem with sleeping, just come to church. And if, you, if you're really having a hard time, just get me on CD, and it'll just put you to sleep real fast. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to count sheep or anything. Just listen to Pastor Wilkerson. But uh, I, will, I would say here that whenever we, uh, whenever we have a difficult time, we can look to the Lord and say, God, you're, you're the same God on the mountaintop in times of plenty and times of famine. And many people throughout the Bible have figured that out. God is taking care of them. How many would say to you, you would be able to give testimony tonight of how God provided for you in very low times? I can. And I think you can say that because you've lived a righteous life. God says, you know, when the famine, I'm not going to be afraid. I'll have sufficiency in difficult times. His little is better. His strength is divine. His effort is eternal. His supply is sufficient. Whatever God has for you. I like that verse in, um, in Philippians 4.19. You say it with me. Can we do this? But my God shall, according, by, very good. God says, I, I, one of the reasons I want everybody to give to missions is because I want God to meet you at the point of your need. One of the reasons he tells us to tithe. And one of the benefits of tithe, I'll open the windows of heaven. Windows are normally so you can see something. He says, I, I'm going to give you, I'll, I'll give you more than you have room enough to receive it. I think it, your gifts, your, your willingness to be your offering your, and your tithe will outlast, the benefits will ask, outlast your days on this planet. He says, I'll rebuke, I'll cause retardation to the, de to the, de the, de the um, deterioration of your things. He goes, I'm going to slow it down. I'm going to slow down the process of your deterioration. That means your tires will probably last longer in your car, your refrigerator. doesn't mean your refrigerator broke down, that you're not walking the Lord. But often I've seen the Lord take things and just continue to keep them going and get more miles, get more, more uh, wear out of things. And I think this oftentimes is because of someone who's a giver. But he says this, I'll protect the fruit of your ground. I think that refers to our heart. Some people, when bad things happen, they really fall apart. They can't handle the grief. They can't handle the loss. And they really go into, and oftentimes it's because they are failing, not always, but oftentimes because they fail to be giving people. I think a giver, God protects her heart. And another thing he says is that your, your fruit or your vine will not cast forth her fruit before it's time. What that means is you'll have what you need when you need it. 
Now, what we like to have is what we have what we need before we need it. But sometimes God allows us to continue to trust him and wait for him to supply as we need it. Give us this day our, I'll give you what you need today. Remember when the people said, I don't want to go get this manna every day. So they would get a bunch of it together, and so I don't have to look at it every day. I don't have to depend upon God on Tuesday and Wednesday. He did let them do that. So on the Sabbath and Friday until, until the first day of the week, but he would, not, he, he would not let them do that on Monday to Tuesday or Tuesday to Wednesday because he wanted them to trust him. But I think one of the blessings of being a righteous person, he says that when famine comes, you'll have what you need. His, his supply will be sufficient. Look at the next verse, if we can, please. In verse number 21, can we look at 21? God says in verse 20, some of the things he'll do for those who are wicked. He says, I'm going to, I'm going to quickly um, deal with them. Verse 21, the Bible says, the wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. And I think this, a man who, a woman who is righteous, not only is her little better, is her help divine, is her effort eternal, is her supply sufficient, but their heart is to help. Their heart is to help. They want to, they want to help somebody. Now, the Bible says, the wicked borroweth and payeth not again. Let me just say this real quickly. If you're a child of God, uh, if you owe someone something, pay them. If you can't pay them, communicate with them. Nothing more frustrating than a Christian who owes someone something, lost or saved, and then just avoid them like a bubonic plague. Just tell to go from another, one aisle to another aisle at the grocery store because you know you need to talk to them and you won't talk to them. The Bible says it's wicked for a man or a woman to borrow something and not give it back. If you've got something in your, in your possessions, sometimes one time we, we, had, we were looking for our, our utensils here at the church and we can't find them because people have taken them home and instead of bringing them back to the church, they keep them in their house. That's wicked. If you, if something you've taken from somebody else and you owe it to them, well, take it back to them. If you borrowed someone's axe or chainsaw or lawnmower or uh, you've borrowed some extension cords that belong to someone else, if they belong to them, give it back to them. If you borrow money, pay it off. If you can't pay it all one time, we understand that. Most of the time, the creditors are okay with that. They just need to know that don't avoid them. But that's an action of a wicked man, a wicked woman. But the righteous looks for opportunities to help people. They look for opportunities to give and to be the lender if need be. Might I say to you, most of the time, if you can't give up something, don't lend something. I don't think there's a, there's a prohibition to borrowing. I think borrowing is, is God, God regulates it. Uh, sometimes people will point to Romans chapter 13, verse 8, owe no man anything, and so they say that debt is sin. I think it's, uh, it's wise to be out of debt. The borrower is the servant of a lender, and I think obviously when you, bar when you start borrowing money, you are taking on additional masters, and it causes, we've seen that here at First Baptist Church, and I've seen it in my own life, whenever I owe someone something, it makes me, I, now I can't really answer to God for everything. I have, to, I have to make sure that I take care of this master that I owe. And one of the reasons that we're praying and giving every week so that we can get out of our debt. And by the way, I thank you for the way you've given in that area. We're excited about what God has done. He's already done amazing things to help us. 
I'm praying that he'll continue to help us to be a debt-free church in time. But I will say, I don't think there's prohibitions to that. And, of course, Romans chapter 13, I think that is specifically talking about our taxes to our, fed, to our government. He's talking about our custom and our taxes. He said, look, if you don't owe the government, if you, you know, pay your taxes on time. Owe no anything but love one another. I think it's in context speaking more so about that. But I will say that borrowing causes some problems. It causes problems. It creates another master's. And if you owe something, communicate with them. But at the same time, a righteous man has a heart to be a help and a blessing. You have to overcome a lot of challenges in your heart to be a giving person. We build up all kinds of things. Well, I've got to make sure I have enough for us. You know, whoever, you know, if you, if you don't take care of your own house, you're worse than an infidel. And we use that verse, and it's really talking about caring for your elderly parents and aunts and uncles. But we use that verse to justify how we need to make sure we have enough. So I don't have to ever worry about anything. Let me tell you something. That's not a Bible verse. God's going to challenge you, and he's going to challenge me sometimes to go out, outside where I can't fill the bottom of the pool sometimes when it comes to giving. Many of us, all we want to do is want to make sure we don't know when enough is enough. We want to be secure. And God wants the righteous man to be someone who loves and shares and gives. And that's something we've got to get in our own heart. And that's the kind of God we have. He's a giving God. Every good gift and every perfect gift, where does it come from? From above. He's the giver, and we ought to be like him in that area. As I conclude, let's look at the next two things real quickly. Verse number 22. Read it with me, would you please? For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth. God says the inheritance will be blessed. I would like to be a blessed man. I would like my kids to be blessed. I'd like my grandchildren to be blessed, and so would you. God said the righteous man will be blessed. And then you see the next verse, verse 23. This is a verse, as I studied, I could not help but think about our beloved brother Colston. And this is a verse that we used at his service and a verse that I think wonderfully described him. The steps of a are ordered by the, and he delighteth in his way. And dear friend, I want to encourage you, and I notice this, the steps are ordered. When a righteous man, that word good is the same verse, the same word you see in verse number three, where the Bible says, trust in the Lord and do good. It means do right. And the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. One of the blessings of being a righteous man and a righteous woman is that God monitors your steps. Verse 23, 4, he says, he will, he'll, he'll keep you from the barriers and the precipice of falling over. You'll be cast down, but you're not going to be cast out. You may fall down, but it will not be utterly fall down. You're going to, God's going to help you. I think it's one of the most beautiful things one of the things I'm always nervous about, and we find this in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 14. The Bible reminds us that it's important that, we're, that, we're, that we, we keep our hearts right with the Lord. Because I think God protects those and monitors our steps and keeps them from falling when we are doing the right thing, the right way for the right time. Righteousness is something that God blesses. I want God to bless you. I certainly want God to bless me. I want God to honor us, and I think these are blessings. I want to encourage you to go back tonight, maybe, and think about these passages of scriptures. And write down, you know, say, listen, if I can just be a righteous man, a righteous woman, there's a lot of blessings that God brings. He tells us in the book of Deuteronomy, I got a blessing if you do what's right. Unfortunately, I got a curse if you do what's wrong. 
I lay before you blessing or cursing. Take your pick. Righteousness is where you want to live. 